Welcome to Hot Jobs. We'll hear from employers and economic stakeholders in Cambria and Somerset counties about job openings, potential salaries, and what job seekers need to get hired. We're here with Bill Caldwell, the CEO of Connemaw Memorial Medical Center, and Daniel Rager, Director of Nursing for Connemaw Memorial Medical Center. Your hospital and hospitals all over are still experiencing a shortage of nurses, mm -hmm. right? Which started in 2021. Last oh, it's been longer standing. I, I, you know, I'll let Danny handle some of the, the specifics with RNs, but I think it's important to realize it's not just a shortage of nurses. You know, when you look across the workforce demographic, we see shortages in many areas, not just clinical areas. You know, you, you see that across businesses and industries. And in Western Pennsylvania, it's maybe a little bit more pronounced, probably than American Northeast, because of demographics, aging population, fewer young people. Uh, but nursing has been particularly challenging during COVID. Danny, you maybe want to touch on a few of those? Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, COVID um, was something that, you know, the RN division has never experienced anything like that before in our, in our life. Um, so one of the things that COVID instantly did was there were so many unknowns uh, around it is a lot of our nurses that were close to retirement decided they were just going to retire early and not take the risk with that. Um, so we had that wave, and then we also had the wave of, you know, the agency rates went higher than anybody has ever seen that before, too. I mean, you were seeing $250 per hour in some of these areas throughout the country for COVID. Um, you know, I, a lot of our How nurses, did that affect nurses in the hospitals? What's, an, what's an agency rate? Contract labor. Yeah. For travel nurses? For exactly. travel nurses, yeah. Um, you know, previously you would see those across the nation maybe be $70 around there. You know, this went up to $250 at certain points in other parts of the country. Um, so our nurses, you know, we would follow up with them when they said, hey, I'm, I'm looking at this. And they really weren't necessarily dissatisfied with our process. However, it was an opportunity where nurses felt this is a windfall of money. I need to take this opportunity. So as you lost people to go do travel nursing, did you have to contract travel nurses to come in? Yep. You know, that was one of the things that hospitals across the country experienced. Now, that's mitigated a little bit as COVID's been on the downswing. Uh, the, the, the amount of travel nursing, the rate's gone down, so it's a little less appealing. And quite frankly, it's not for everybody. Uh, is you, there is a lifestyle component to it. Uh, but, but I do think it's here to stay because of some of the demographics, maybe not to the extent that we saw during at least the peak periods in the pandemic. You know, we've certainly uh, begun to see nurses come back um, from those agencies. Um, so, so hopeful that uh, we continue to see more and more come mm -hmm. back. A lot of our staff did stay on hourly um, because they still like it here and they want to stay here um, so that when those there's really those jobs dry up that they oh, just, so just return to full full okay. time. You know, one of the things that Danny talked about that is important is the question around retirement, you know, and this isn't just nursing, but as the baby boomers age out, you're going to see that retirement wave. And some of what we're seeing is that's what's occurring. And I'll just give you between Conema Memorial and our Conema Physician Practices, we have roughly 23 to 2,400 employees. If we run a list by age, over 550 of those folks 
are age 60 plus. So, you know, over the next five, 10 years, you're going to see a lot of people, and it's not just healthcare, leave the workforce. Uh, the other thing that COVID did do is we saw some folks retire in that 50 to 60 space, you know, uh, for any number of reasons, some of it was COVID, some of it, you know, they lost a dear friend or something and it kind of said, life's too short. You know, I'm gonna retire early uh, and enjoy life a little bit. So a lot of things that play demographically in this workforce. And you can't really turn around demographics overnight. So how do you think you, you plan to adjust to those demographic losses? Well, you know, I think there are a couple things. One, you know, how we recruit, where we recruit. One of the things we've had some success with is international recruitment. You know, we've recruited, what, 32? Around 30, yeah. Yeah, 30 nurses from outside the United States, many of them from the Philippines. Uh, few from Africa, a few yep. from the Caribbean. Uh, so I think you've got to look at, you know, different ways to supplant just the workforce locally. So that would be one. I think the other is, you know, working with local colleges, universities, our own school of nursing to expand their reach as to where they recruit from. Uh, right. So it seems like there's a lot of options if you want to be a nurse there's a lot of educational paths to take. You got uh, yeah, local yeah. universities, yeah, Penn Highlands, kind of your own school. So absolutely. Yeah. So just to give more as far as that, you know, I mean, as, as Bill had touched on earlier, you know, I think one of the great things you're seeing with um, some of the colleges, specifically ours, is you know we, we do offer the route for free tuition now at this point. You know, you get accepted in there. You um, along with that, you also qualify for a sign-on bonus when you complete. So. You know, you're getting your free tuition, you get the sign-on bonus, you're giving us a commitment to stay at our organization for a while. I think that's a really unique thing as far as you don't see that from any other job uh, openings out there, you know, so I think that's a very unique thing. Um, along with that, you know, once you become an RN, I mean, your, your options at that point are endless. You know, you can go the route of becoming a CRNA, you can become the route of a, a nurse practitioner, you can look at leadership opportunities, you can look at outpatient settings. Um, it just expands um, your job opportunities exponentially mm -hmm. when you become an RN. One thing I would say, you know, for folks that might be listening that are local, whether you're young, you know, getting out of high school, but also for maybe folks that are looking at a career change, that mid-careerist. One of the advantages, you know, we are blessed in this part of Pennsylvania with a number of educational options. You know, we've got our Conema School of Nursing, UPJ, Mount Aloysius, St. Francis, uh, Penn Highlands. You know, all these schools offer not only nursing programs, but other health programs. Uh, you know, so you don't have to go very far to find a quality education in your own backyard. And, you know, there are a lot of places in the country that don't have that benefit. Can we talk a little bit about the salary potential for, and after grad, people graduate, what's their uh, the salary potential like? Sure. Yeah, go ahead, Danny. That, that's what I would yeah. say at a high level. That's one of the cool things with nursing is it's got great salary potential, uh, and you can go anywhere in the country and get a job with that salary. Yep. So, I mean, looking at our, our med surge areas, you know, you're looking at starting out around 
27 plus, going the whole way up to around $36. Now that increases um, with, you're talking about specialty areas, um, you know, your RN advancement that I talked about, you get a, a, a bump there. Um, and, and then speaking further, I mean, we're talking, like I said, for our nurse practitioners, our CRNAs, like, I mean, once we reach those salaries, we're talking anywhere from around 80 the whole way up to 130, 140. So, I mean, it, it's definitely a route that um, uh, can provide a very good living um, status for these individuals, along with, you know, one of the other things is this requires only a two-year um, education, you know, to get in, to get your foot in the door of nursing, um, to go to our school or some of the other schools that only require a, a diploma or associates there when you graduate. So, you have the opportunity to start your career after two years a great salary and then you also have the benefit of being able to get the um, tuition assistance from us to go back and get your BSN and then once you complete your BSN then you have the options option for your master's degree um, so, so I think it's uh, you know it, it really sets you up well for planning ahead uh, I understand that the business model for hospitals is changing and more from uh, inpatient services to outpatient services. What has caused that change and how has the rule of nursing changed along with that? Sure. I mean, I'll start with the, the at a business model level. You're entirely correct that we've seen a shift from inpatient to outpatient care. That's not been overnight. I mean, I've been in healthcare. My first healthcare job once I got out of my fellowship was in 1982. And it's changed dramatically in terms of the types of things that a patient will be admitted to. Couple factors. Some of it's technology. The things that we can do uh, from a surgical perspective in a minimally invasive manner have taken some types of surgeries that required sometimes a three or four or five day inpatient stay, and now you can go home the same day. Uh, we're even to the point now where we're doing total joint replacements for certain patients on a same-day basis. So technology is part of it. I think some of it also uh, is just at a, uh, a financial level in terms of you know, how third-party payers reimburse. Uh, there are things that you used to be admitted to for the hospital that they simply won't reimburse on an inpatient uh, basis. Going back to 1982, one of the primary admitting diagnoses in the hospital that I worked at was low back pain. Today, you're not going to find a single patient in the hospital with an admitting diagnosis of low back pain. You know, so it's a confluence of things. It's technology. It's an advancements in medicine. Uh, some of it's financial in a much more global picture. Uh, you know, now the nurses', the nurses role has changed, and I think one of the things that you see when something moves from inpatient to outpatient, it creates a lot of new nursing opportunities in the outpatient world. Yeah, exactly, and that's what, that was what I was going to speak on. As far as you know, nursing before previously was um, you were at the bedside pretty much. That was one of the that was the main role for an RN. However, now um, you know it's expanded to these outpatient roles, where now it's more appealing to I think um, a larger group of people because they no longer have to work that you know seven a to seven p shift. They have the opportunity to work five days a week, you know nine to five or whatever that may be. 
and it also gives them the opportunity to um, it just expands the, the, the nursing opportunities as far as they get to experience other type of patients versus just bedside patients. They get to experience people where they maybe get to uh, converse with more, um, see them at a better state versus when they're in at the hospital and admitted and are ill at that point. Maybe they're getting to do more uh, interactions with them pre-surgery and those type of things. So I think it's, it's really opened up more opportunities for RNs. Um, speaking, um, going back to what Bill had said about uh, diagnosis, so one of the ways that the shift to outpatient services has really uh, affected maybe med surge areas is you're seeing patients come to the hospital and be admitted. You're not seeing those low back pains anymore. You're seeing like people are ill now when they're getting admitted. So that's really what has changed as far as that. Um, you know, people are being discharged with things they previously maybe couple years ago would have been admitted for. So you're seeing higher acuity patients at the bedside mm -hmm. now. Yeah, and one of the things that has contributed to that is, quite frankly, you can do more in the home. You know, when you couple, and, and this is going to be an, another area that we're going to see significant changes in the next 10 years. When you begin to couple telemedicine, which COVID has proven telemedicine works, with home diagnostics, I mean, you can take your Apple iWatch, and there's all sorts of things that you can monitor from a personal health perspective at home that you can feed your physician. That's, that type of technology is only going to continue. Now, from a nursing perspective, what that does is there are going to be more opportunities for in-home care. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that you can, that years ago, you had to maybe be an inpatient you'll be able to stay at home. And you know, from a patient's perspective, that's great. I know we spoke once about technology in the hospital. If you, have, if you continue to have trouble filling uh, vacancies, some things that you mentioned before were kind of like robots taking meals to beds and, and things like that. And <clears throat> wanted to see how close the hospital is to going for that kind of stuff. Sure, you know, we haven't done automation yet with food service delivery, although there are hospitals out there that have. We do have several, I would call them quasi-robots, that can clean a floor without human intervention. You know, they have sensors that detect somebody walking down the hall. They've got the blueprint, the floor plans uh, within their memory. And they work really great in long hallways that you can just let them go. So we've seen some of that. Some of the clinical areas, a laboratory, for example, has a high degree of automation now. You know, a lot of our chemistry analyzers, literally all you do is you put in the, the blood or urine sample and the machine does everything else. Uh, so you, you have those types of things out there. I think the other thing along the same line, once again, this gets back to, you know, maybe at a technology level what the future holds is how AI or artificial intelligence begins to play a role in healthcare. Uh, you know, and that's coming. Uh, so I think there's a lot of neat things. You know, I think the robotics, you know, certainly has application in certain areas, but there are just certain things you're not going to supplant a, a human being with. You know, I think of bedside nursing. I, I think is, you know, you can't ever um, replace uh, RNs. They're always going to have to be there. Some ways technology has helped RN in the field. And I think all fields is 
just the advancements in our EMRs, you know, utilizing Epic and stuff. What's the EMR stand for? Uh, electronic medical records. And um, it allows us to help the nurses, help the doctors show what best practice is. We create bundles within our EMR to alert the nurse, hey, this patient, two vital signs have been abnormal. We maybe need to consider sepsis and those type of things. So those are huge advancements in, in healthcare to allow uh, an oversight and, and help them utilizing technology to provide the best care. When well, we also have what we call BPAs, best practice advisories. And once again, it's in the system. And the system can recognize all this different data and say, this triggers, this patient might have sepsis. You need to make the following intervention. So, you know, the EMR, and this kind of begins to speak to AI and things like that, can aid the physician and the nurse in terms of what they need to do uh, in terms of the actual intervention. You have that technology now in the yeah. present? Uh, yeah, and we've had the EPIC system since what? Before I got here, 2016, 2017? Yeah, yep, it's been a good several years. Just kind of curious as to what, Daniel, maybe you will be the one to answer this. What does a daily routine of a nurse look like? Yeah, so, so they start off their shift generally um, 15 to 20 minutes before they um, officially would, uh, like the 12-hour shift, they come in about 15 minutes early. And at that point, um, we have what's called our, our briefs on the, on the medical floor. So that allows a chance for uh, the nurse manager, any designated leader, the charged nurse, to get together with the group. Let's go over our objectives today. Let's go over any patients that we think we need to highlight that are fall risks or pressure injury, any of those type of things. And, and it's truly a brief where it's the opportunity for nurses from daylight to night shift to review quickly. What are our high level things today? What do we need to accomplish? Uh, and at that point, after that's done, they get out there, they do their um, bedside shift report nurse to nurse in the room, introduce themselves to the patient, give them uh, an update on their status, where their discharge is, looking for the day, um, is there any family that you need contacted. Um, at that point, they get out there and they, they start their day, um, and that, uh, that can lead you down a lot of different paths at that point. Um, some people need to contact physicians at that point. Some physicians then are starting to round, and we encourage our nurses to round as much as possible with our physicians. So at that point, start doing orders, uh, interventions, um, and that pretty much proceeds throughout the day. Um, and then at the shift change throughout the night, we obviously want to have the same process. We have our, our brief for the night shift, um, and it's a debrief for our daylight shift. So those two go hand in hand. Um, same thing, bedside shift report. But to break down a nurse's day, I think it's extremely rewarding. Uh, our nurses try to advocate for the patients, um, you know, highs, lows. They have a chance to, you know, comfort ill patients. They get to see recovery of patients. Um, I think it continues to be a really rewarding career for them. But um, throughout their day, they, it could be different day to day, certainly. A lot of different experiences. And that's just a med surge nurse. You take the experience of, say, an operating room nurse, it's completely different. You know, I think that's one of the beauties about nursing is there are so many different jobs out there. It, it can fit different personality types and, and really what interests somebody. You know, what makes a good emergency room nurse may not be something that would be conducive to working on a med surge unit or inpatient versus outpatient. So, 
that's the cool thing about healthcare in general is if you have an interest in helping people, there's a place for you. And I, and I think, yeah, that's, that's something that has definitely evolved over the years. Before you would have, um, you know, you would have your nurses, they would stay on a nursing unit for 30 years. Now they have the opportunity to that point. They can switch up their, you know, their careers and go into outpatient for a little while and then come back to cath lab. And, you know, they, they may not enjoy that and then they jump to the ER. So, yeah, the, the opportunities are just endless at this point. You know, it's... Nursing has expanded so far from what it used to be that um, you really can have the same professional title in RN, but your job is completely different. I imagine that would help with burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, change of scenery, you're right. You know, one of the things with burnout, I think it's been challenging through COVID. I think we've all experienced our own, without healthcare and the, you know, the pressures there, from a resiliency perspective, but one of the things that does help with resiliency sometimes is a change of scenery, a change of pace. Uh, and you know that's, once again, the beauty about nursing is there are a lot of alternatives out there. And I think we've seen that a lot, especially during COVID. We definitely saw some of our um, med surge nurses um, go and try a different route um, within our facility, and then they realized they did miss that bedside nursing, so they came back. Same, same for other areas. Maybe they want to try something different from outpatient, came back to med surge and found out, no, I, I do like the outpatient setting. So it, it definitely um, saw, saw a little bit more of that than we were used to. However, I think people are starting to settle back into what they, what they find they enjoy. Well, I think this may be a good place to end. Is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know who may be thinking about becoming a nurse someday? Reach out. You know, we can arrange you know, some tours, shadowing experiences, you know, maybe just somebody to talk to. So please reach out to whether it's human resources or if you know a nurse, talk to them. But it, it is a rewarding career. And I, you know, one of the things I always tell employees when we're doing new employee orientation is wherever you work in healthcare, you're contributing to a greater good. And at a personal fulfillment level, it's not always easy Sometimes it's, in fact, really, really hard. But when your day's done, you can take a step back, assess, and say, I did something good today. I helped somebody. And you're still offering the bonuses and the tuition incentives? With the loan forgiveness, we're still offering. I don't think those things are going away. Uh, I think that the sign-on bonus piece is out there. It may vary a little bit from year to year. But once again, they're not going to go away. Once again, but just back to the larger workforce demographic. You know, this isn't something that's going to uh, magically change overnight. Thanks for listening. This has been Hot Jobs with Russ O'Reilly at the Tribune Democrat. Check out other Tribune Democrat podcasts at tribdem.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Josh Byers, host of the Hiking the Highlands podcast from the Tribune Democrat. Every month, I hit the trails with a different outdoor enthusiast while we talk about the Laurel Highlands top hiking destinations. Join me in this unique podcast, recorded in the wilderness, at tribdem.com backslash podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.